you've got them out there doing different things and the goal and you share with them, the goal is for them to find their purpose. Like you want everyone, every parent wants their child to have something that gets them out of bed in the morning and marching them toward the purpose that they're going to have in their life. Because we're not telling them what they're going to do. We're letting go of that control. And that's their job to find their purpose. So we're explaining to them that by doing these extra activities, by doing a sport, by doing an instrument, whatever it is, this is all with the purpose of having experiences. And through experiences is how we grow, how we make mistakes, and how we become introduced to people who might change our lives. So do you ever envy those so-called hashtag couples goals? Well, you know, when you first fall in love with someone, you get butterflies every time you see them. You lust them. You're infatuated with them. You want to be with them all the time, like best friends. Do you want that to last forever? Together, let's discover what it takes to say a massive yes to all the above. Through our topical discussions, our world-renowned guests that will help guide the way to a happier, sexier, and fun-loving relationship. We're not doctors or therapists. We are just two normal individuals who have had many ups and downs in our 23-year relationship. And counting. We've amassed our own wisdom over the years, but we're still learning, just like you. Nina and I believe you can have it all and still live your best lives, as long as you're willingly and consistently discover each other in new ways. And that right there is what the show is all about. We're Nina. And Roger. And this this is The the Real Show. Show. Yeah, baby. First off, I want to wish... A very, very happy Thanksgiving to all our Canadian friends, family, and listeners. Yeah, baby. And our American friends, happy Columbus Day. I'm not even sure what that is. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> I don't even know if it's an actual holiday. No. Like, are they off? Are they? Let us know, American friends, what that is. <laughs> well, we do have a holiday here, so. And it's a great one because you get to have all of the food that you want. You get to spend a lot of time with you. Great friends and family. And you're giving thanks for everything that you have, everything you've done this year, no matter what all this craziness has brought to us in the past two years. I'm thankful for everything I have and everything I'm going to get. <laughs> you're so sure of yourself. You're going to get, you're going to get, what Absolutely. are you going to get? I'm going to get all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but before we start, I got to say, my name is Roger and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Nina. Yeah, baby. And we are the Head Over Heels Show. Celebrating Thanksgiving. <laughs> and how fitting that is because today's guest is actually here to talk to us about family and parenting, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just, perfect, perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect, perfect timing. But before we get to that, um, we will talk a little bit about our amazing meals that this lovely woman made for us. Did you like everything? I liked everything and there's still more in the oven right now cooking as we speak. What was your favorite? Uh, actually the chicken was quite good. Yeah. It was, we didn't have, it was just the four of us. So we didn't have a big turkey. We decided to have a chicken, a roasted chicken. And oh, she yeah, did the a turkey great job. My girlfriend's house. Yeah. We're going to have the turkey at a, at a friend's house, but for our private little dinner, it was amazing. It was yummy. And we found this great little meat pie place or pie place. Yeah. It's, it's called pie commission. If you guys are from Toronto, honestly, this place is. You should incredible. check it out. It was yum. It's tasty. It's so tasty. Mm-hmm. And it feels a little clean, you know, there's not much junk in there. Nice, clean place. Looks like the young girls that run it. Yeah. The actual food itself is clean. Like, it's not that much of garbage in the food itself. It was, you well, know. Except for the pie crust. <laughs> pie crust 
haven't had butter. Butter's not that bad for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, but it was good. Right, right. You got to you got to indulge a little bit and then burn off those calories in the gym all week. Right. By commission, if anybody wants it, I'm not. I mean, I'm endorsing them because they're really, really, really good food. So, and uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about our amazing guest today. Our amazing guest today is Sue Donnellan. Sue Donnellan is a parent mentor and an author of a international best-selling book called Secrets to Parenting Without Giving a Fuck. That's which without is without giving a fuck. Yes, which is why I really want her on the show because I feel like just that title spoke to me. You know what I mean? And after interviewing her, I loved her parenting style. I feel like we we're very relatable to her, to that kind of style, as we don't really give a fuck as to any, what anyone thinks of how we parent our children, as long as we believe we're doing the right thing. And they're great freaking kids. So they are. I mean, we have great kids. Yeah. And she's the same style. So she has exact same style in parenting, which I love, you know, with humor, wisdom, and intuitiveness, she helps struggling parents emerge on the other side of their overwhelm with her unique parenting style. So at the end of the, the show, we're going to give away her book. Her book is called, like I said, Secrets to Parenting Without Giving a Fuck. You can find Sue Dolan on, obviously, everywhere. But her handle on socials is called Ask Mom Parenting. And actually, her website is that as well. If you want to win her book, all you have to do is share this episode on Instagram and Facebook and tag us in it. Tag Head Over Heels Show and tag... Sue's handle, which is Ask Mom Parenting. I'll have all this information on the Instagram post for you guys. So check that out. And we're going to give away this book in two weeks. It'll be on our second show from this one. We're going to announce the winner of her amazing book. Right. So the, the 26th. The 26th. The so there you go. We'll announce the winner on the 26th. So you guys can post either on Facebook or Instagram the episode and tag both head over heels and ask mom parenting. So without further ado, let's welcome Miss Sue Donnellan. Well, welcome to the show, Sue. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, who you are and what you do for our head over heels show audience to uh, have a little context about your background. Sure. My name is Sue Donnellan and I'm the mom behind ask mom parenting. I am a, an author of a parenting book called secrets to parenting without giving a fuck. Uh, I am a parent specialist and I mentor parents. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur. I've run three different businesses and I'm the wife of a career military officer and uh, the mom of four kids, including triplets. God bless your heart. <laughs> four kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know how we did it, but <laughs> yeah, four. you do it. Somehow you do. <laughs> right? so you're just going for a second and all of a sudden, boom, you got... Well, yeah, and I do say this in the book, but I never really wanted kids, and my husband loves kids, so I said, okay, I'll have a, a child for you. How nice of me. This is the nicest thing I've ever done for anybody, and I had the one, and then it became obvious that he needed a sibling because we were just really hyper-managing, and then I went to have my second baby, and two eggs dropped and one split, and I ended up with natural triplets. <laughs> so I went from one to four kids, like, overnight. <laughs> what was the age difference? Three. Uh, three years. Three years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. My goodness. So you had like literally four babies in your hands yeah. at all times. <laughs> yes. 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 So it, it was uh it was quite interesting. I had to learn quickly. My my learning curve was again a vertical line. <laughs> and how old are they now? How do you they are 20. The triplets are 20 and our oldest is 23. 
You've been doing this for a long time. It's been, yep, yep. It's been, um, yep. It's in my rearview mirror, but it's still fresh that I can, you know, take all the experiences that I gained and, and help other parents, you know, go through all the different phases. That's wonderful because that's exactly what we want to do here today. We have two teenagers that, like everybody else's teens, this at this, you know, 20, 2021 20, have been really submerged in their own little world, which is the screens, you know. We love our kids. We really want to spend more time with them. And we wonder, like, they're really good kids, um, but they there are a lot into their screens, into their own little world. Mm-hmm. And I know yours are older, so you must have gone through all this. But how do you get them to let go of that phone, that screen, and just be a little more balanced with, with the family? Well, I find, first of all, the, the teenage years are unto their own, yeah. okay? So all the rules, all the mindset, all the things that we thought we had control over when they were younger, you know, in terms of listening and that type of thing, you know, it all goes out the window. So there's a lot we have to let go. And in the book, the very first chapter is, I believe it's the first chapter is like letting, how to let go of control, because that was, that's the foundation of the mindset of what do I have control over and what do I give to them to turn over to run in their lives? And uh, by the time they get to be teenagers, it really is a different, they're like a little, their frontal lobes aren't fully developed, their logic isn't developed. So our job for teenagers tends to become more behind the scenes. So we are kind of pulling puppet strings, you know, from behind. A lot of our dialogue and interaction with teenagers is is, is very subtle. It's a lot more, it's not direct. Um, I have a saying, you know, if you want to be lied to, ask a direct question. So it's, it's you know, it, that we is don't. That's so true. That's so it, true. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the psychology of teenagers is totally different. And, and in the book, I have a chapter. It was my favorite chapter. I never even knew I was going to write it. It just kind of came out of me. And it was how to get your kids to tell you everything. In that chapter, I have a variety of strategies and ways and methods to get kids to talk. But really what it is, is that it becomes a lot more nuanced and a lot more layered. So parenting teenagers, and I'm I'm, gonna, I'm building up the foundation to kind of answer your question. Right. So with teenagers, it's a lot of bullet point conversations, just boom, 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 let it go, come back, circle back, remembering, listening, going, I heard that, I'm going to circle back again later tonight. It's a lot of non-direct, indirect communication and questioning and conversation. And it's also, it's like I said, bullet point conversations. Like I remember when my son, my oldest son became 16, 17, of course they have all the answers. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to be lectured to. So what you want to do is you have to find a, a nuanced way and it becomes it's just its own its own process, really, to get teenagers to listen and to pay attention. And so that's the that's the mindset, right? That's the psychology of how we approach them. And then there's a variety of different ways and methods that we can do. Ask certain questions. I do a lot of third party endorsements. So if they're if they're bringing up a, a subject that's difficult and they don't want to hear it from me because they've heard all I have to say, you know, the eye rolling mom, you know. Uh, they know my my words and they my my thoughts at this point. So you pull out an article from the paper, you talk about the neighbor, you talk about all these different ways of getting the words in that is not in a direct conversation. So 
with the screen time and so forth, teenagers and all kids, and I have methods for ages as young as two all the way up, for letting go of control from the parent, we tend to think that if we we really clamp down on the teenager, we we it's the opposite. By clamping down, we need to be a better parent. We need to you know show them that we're we have we have the authority. And te- technically, it's quite the opposite. So what I like to do is I like to bring the child or the teenager into the decision making process. And I my favorite saying is freedom within boundaries. So you create the boundary, the culture of your home, and you have maybe one or two rules. Okay. And that's it. But those one or two rules are the ones you are never deviating from. For us, it was curfew. Okay. Now I'm believe me, I'm gonna get to your question, but I'm I have to kind of lay the foundations. So you have one or two rules, and then you allow the freedom from within that boundary. So in the case of screen time, TV, so forth, you want to, as part of your layered effect, you want to be able to make sure that they're productively busy. Do they have jobs, have certain expectations? Are they working? Are they, you know, uh, do they have a sport or, or musical instrument or something? What are they doing with their time so that they're productively busy? And they're, you know, we had a, we had a rule that you had to play a sport None of my kids were interested in musical instruments, but, you know, whatever it is, some type of hobby, some type of something, our rule, some type of sport. I didn't really give a crap about grades, believe it or not, because it worked, it worked itself out. Yeah. yeah. But remind them that you're not bothering them about grades. That's a plus. Remind them that, you know, I trust you. I know you're going to do great because your job is to help them find their passion. Right. So by having them be productively busy, we insisted that they had jobs. They had to balance their time. Honestly, that was one of the best things we ever did. What age was that? Yeah. In Idaho, here in the States, 16. They can do volunteer work as early as young as 15. They can do babysitting. They can mow lawns, whatever it is. But, you know, starting to earn their own money. But as soon as they could legally go get a job, they had to go. Whether it was bussers, whatever it was. That was one of the best things we ever did. Because they have to start negotiating with bosses. They have to plan their schedule in advance. They miss the parties and the dance. I mean, some of the stuff they have to go, oh, a spontaneous party popped up, but I have to work. You know, it's about balance. It taught them so many lessons before they left for college that having a job is just another boss. It's another person. It's another authority in their life that's giving them, you know, structure. That's not us. So by the time they become teenagers, you want a lot more you know, teachers, coaches, bosses having influence on your children in terms of their time, how they spend their time, how they behave. So it becomes more letting go of control and allowing them access to other other rules and other authority figures. So now they're productively busy. They've got, they're in a sport, they're doing a job, whatever it is, less time on the screens, right? So it's nuanced, it's behind the scenes type decisions that we make as parents that all filter into that goal of less screen time. However, there's more, so much more. (laughs) So you've got them out there doing different things and the goal, and you share with them, the goal is for them to find their purpose. Like you want everyone, every parent wants their child to have something that gets them out of bed in the morning and marching them toward the purpose that they're going to have in their life. Cause we're not telling them what they're going to do. We're letting go of that control and that's their job to find their purpose. 
So we're explaining to them that by doing these extra activities, by doing a sport, by doing an instrument, whatever it is, this is all with the purpose of having experiences. And through experiences is how we grow, how we make mistakes, and how we become introduced to people who might change our lives or have an impact on our lives. Because your parenting is pretty much, I don't want to say done, but it's 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 weaning. You're weaning yourself right. of your influence. Right. So now it's time for them to go out in the world and have those experiences while they're still home. So you can sort of direct that, right? right? I guess say control, but no, not control, direct it. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, I'm very careful not to use the word control. Um, I know. Very the yeah. <laughs> All of these things said, you bring the child into the decision-making process. You let them know why you're making decisions because it's very big picture. It's very, these. this is your future. These are your goals. You're investing in them, in their confidence and in their decision-making. Okay. Now, when, if you've, I don't know what your rules are at home. If you've got rules that they've got to do certain cleaning, they've got chores. I don't know what your rules are, but it's about balancing your time, scheduling their time and managing their time. So when it comes to screen time, if that's a real problem for you and you find that you're just not getting anywhere, bring them into the decision and say, guys, there's so much more to life. You know, we're going to start doing a sport. We're going to start doing, you know, let's start broadening ourselves, get them busy. Now you're going to get pushback. Right. And they need your leadership yeah. for that. So they need your leadership that you're going to get pushback on. I don't want to do this or I went the first time and it was bad. It was hard. All of these things are growth experiences for them that the more they can have while they're under your roof and the more problems you, you know they can solve that you can help them solve. Right. gets them prepared and wise beyond their years for when they get older and when they get off, you know, cause I mean, look at it. You've got teenagers. They're going to be out of the house soon. I know it's going to be fast. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to, you don't think so now, but it's going to be fast and they need to be prepared. Yes. So the more experiences they can have, the more people they have relationships with and that they're interacting with the more decisions, the better decisions they can make. This is all factoring into the gaming and the screen time and all of this stuff, the more productively busy they are, and I don't mean busy that this is, you don't need to be Disneyland parents. Like, okay. yes, you might have to drive them here and there and pick them up, but everything is with expanding their horizons, opening their mind and getting them experiencing different people and different things. Right. Well, so, that's the hard part because, because doing, they've been in COVID for so long that we, we were in a lockdown here in Canada for like a year and a half. So yeah. for them, it was so hard for us to get them anywhere to see and to experience anything until this summer, really. And it kind of got them addicted to the computers and the yeah. games. Right. And right. That's okay. That's okay. One of the big things that I teach is we forget, we think we have to be parents and we have to do all of these authoritative things. And we forget that there are people that can make their own decisions and should be brought into the process. Mm-hmm. And as teenagers, they want to hear, I trust you. I respect you. You make good decisions. Even if they're struggling with that, they want to hear those words from you because it's programming, right? You're programming them. They become that. Mm -hmm. So they want to know that you trust them to make good decisions. And are they always going to make great decisions? No. And then when they do make a bad decision, you know, we're not here to remind them that it was, it was like, okay, well, how did that work out for you? You know, um, like I said, in my chapter about um, how to get your kids to tell you everything, I have a whole section on great questionings, how to ask questions that get them talking. But 
I can't wait to read that book, by the way. I haven't read it yet, but I can't wait to read it. I'm so interested in reading it. Thank you. Well, it'll be, it'll, it'll, I have so much to ask you because this is such a good conversation. Like right now, there's so much in my head that I want to ask you about. But well, I know, and I feel like I'm taking the wrong route to the long route to answer your question. But the, the the reason is because by the time they're teenagers, a lot of the things that I say are are from the foundational base that I start with from when they're young. And so these techniques, especially for parents of teens, feels really illogical. Like, why would I, why would I do that? Or why would I let go when I need to be clamping down? Well, I to those parents, I ask, how's that working? Yeah. How's that working for you? Right. The more rules, the more punishment, how's that working? You know, restriction creates rebellion. So at the the age that your kids are at right now, they want freedom within boundaries. And so your boundaries, like you're going to have a lot more rules when they're young, when they're teenagers, you're going to sort of expand that boundary and they're going to have a lot more freedom to decide within that boundary. With teenagers, you want less rules, but the ones that you have, you don't deviate from. They need that leadership from you. Um, And then you want to tell them why. In, In our case, our one rule well, we had several, but our main rule was curfew. And I always made it 30 minutes before everybody else. <laughs> so you can't imagine those 30 minutes every single weekend, those kids heard, you wouldn't believe what happened when you left. <laughs> and I'm like, my kids were home. So if they are curfew is if all their friends are coming home at midnight and some of their friends don't even have curfews, it was ridiculous. But your kids, again, they really need your leadership. Then they were coming home at 1130. And then you remind them, I don't ask a lot of you. You remind them that you give them freedom. You remind them that you respect them. Love that, yeah. And they are like they always have to go. Yeah, I know. They know because you're you're not bugging them. And that's when you remind them. I don't bug you about your grades. I trust you. This is your new mantra. I trust you. We give you freedom. We respect you. But I want you home at eleven thirty. They can't argue with that mm. because you're not nickel and diming them in all these other places, right? So all of these things that I'm saying are going to help you with the screen time. So um, once, you know, you're productively busy, you've got them out there, you know, now that they can get out, you're going to have less rules, but the ones that you have are going to be really locked down and you're going to get them involved in the process of the decision-making. If they come home late from curfew, then you bust them back to nine o'clock and they have to earn that because you know, your trust is worth something, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's all like this, this mindset. When you get them involved in the decision and you say to them, guys, during quarantine, this was unprecedented. You explain to them, this is not like we've ever lived through before. And you know, right. we really let the rules go. But now that life is starting back up again, we're going to start getting out. We're going to start doing things. We're going to start a sport. We're going to start doing, you know, whatever it is. And that means less screen time. We all, my favorite word is we, we create a partnership and sorry to the husband there, but to the wife, when are we going to get the vacuuming done? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Cause I was upstairs looking at yeah, the yeah. when they come yeah. from school, they each going to do something. My husband's got like, I had it all in my head fun. We're all going to be doing something together. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say, when are we gonna are we gonna get the vacuuming done this weekend? And he knows darn well that that means him. <laughs> anyway, so the word we is your new favorite word. Yeah. Um, we all found ourselves stuck in the house getting 
you know, stuck into this addiction of our phones and our computers. Bring yourself into the loop. It's we, we're doing this. Let's help each other. Now, instead of you're on the thing all the time, you're doing too much of this, you need to stop. Now we're going to approach it from a more holistic partnership parent mentality. And we're going to say, we, the pandemic was none of our faults. We did the best we could. Right. We all found ourselves on the computer and on the screens longer than we wanted to. Now we all are going to start to come to life again and start getting out there and start doing more things. So now it's not about you controlling their screen time. Right. It's about a team and a partnership of saying, we're all in this together. This is what life is. And we're, we're bringing them into the conversation. You can even say, you know, we would love your help so that we're not on the phones as much, whatever it is, whatever you make up some, you know, how, how do you think we can all have less screen time, get their input, ask them, how do you think we can do this? Let's all do this together. And if you see me, you let me know. If I see you, I'll let you know. Right. So now it's not so, you know, targeted and personal. Right. That's the fear of every parent. Like with us, we push and push and okay, we're trying to be nice about it. Let's go. Let's get off the screen, please. Like we'll use all these nice, you know, words and phrases. And then when it's not happening, you get frustrated and you start yelling. Yes. Okay, well, right. But okay. you also feel like you don't want to push them to get worse. You want to be able to have them, like you said, have them make that decision, bring them onto your side kind of thing. Yes. So there's so many, so there's so many nuances to what I'm saying here. Like so many. I mean, you're coming at this from a 360 degrees with teenagers. This is, you can't just, the direct route does not work ever. And you know what, with most people, it doesn't work, right? I mean, adults, we can tend to be this, but even like with our husbands and our wives and our, in our work colleagues, you know, negotiation is an art form. Absolutely. And this is your your idea of having behind the scene um, called um, puppet strings, the puppet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do that in my mind all the time. I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to approach the situation. I'm sitting there calculating my mind. I'm going to do this, but without having them to feel, you know, resented or pushed or so I'll be making a plan of how I'm going to have this conversation with my son or with my daughter without having to push them towards that. You know what I mean? So I'm playing that puppet in my mind all the time. So now everything that I've said up until this point, now I'm going to, now I'm going to get to the next little nitty gritty here. Like, so, so you're bringing them in and you're, and you're getting them involved in the process. You're using the words. We, you're just coming up with a new approach. Be, be ready though. If you start doing something out of, out of the ordinary, it is, it is a departure and they are kind of like suspicious, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) But the real mentality here is with any parenting, and I talk about this from as early as two-year-old tantrums to, to where you're talking about, is you want to look for patterns. So you already know the pattern. When do they get on? Are they on after school? Are they on after dinner? Are they on? When are they on? And you want to break that pattern. So to do that, we parent in advance. Every bit of parenting is about looking for the pattern. Anytime something happens twice, that's a pattern. Now I go, I'm going to back it up and go, I'm predicting that pattern and I'm going to parent in advance. And what that looks like is say they come home from school and they're on their computers or whatever from, you know, three o'clock to six o'clock, whatever it is, whatever the pattern is, you want to interrupt it. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to say, we're, we're all coming off of our screens. We're all finding other things to do. I'm, I'm finding new hobbies. You need to find a new hobby, whatever it is. And then when they, 
sort of narrow down the day as to when it's the worst and find a way to approach them before you're yelling. If it's right after school or if it's whenever it is, say, you know, we noticed that you're really on the computer until 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, whatever it is. Um, how, how, what do you suggest we do about this? Mm. So ask in advance, set the accountability early and get them in on the consequence. <laughs> it works. So we, we tried something like that before where we told, told them during the pandemic, we said we would like, we would like all of us and I, mm-hmm. to get, to kind of get a, a hobby or something on YouTube that we can learn. Whether yeah. it's like my daughter was wanting to do video editing and stuff like that. We, we implemented those things, but I mean, they all fell to the wayside after a few weeks. Yeah. They all kind of disappeared. Well, you know what? Again, let's give ourselves permission to realize the pandemic was so out of the norm and that all rules fell to the wayside. They did. Let's just give ourselves that permission and go, you know what? We're still awesome parents and our kids are still awesome kids, but we did what we could because people's mental health really suffered during that time. And we had to do what we had to do, right? But that's over now. All our focus as parents, too, was to make sure that the kids' mental health sustained. Yes, whatever it took. Right, and whatever it took. And now we're, like I said, we're starting to come alive again. So now we all have to pivot. Mm. And so now we're going to kind of come back into these things. And you don't have to tell them your strategies, but you can just say, we kind of, we let a lot of that go for all of us, but now here's what we're doing. And, and now, so when they're, when they're really using the screen time and you find yourself yelling most, whenever that is, don't wait until you're yelling an hour or two before that say, what it's night. And yeah, we're, we're going to be doing new things with our time. We're going to be, we're not going to be on the computer this long. We're not going to be whatever it is ahead of time before you're yelling interrupt the pattern, parent in advance, how are we going to handle this? And they're going to look at you like, I don't know. I, I stop. I you know, get their feedback and ask them, how do we handle this? It's too much. And we're, we're changing and we're starting to expand ourselves and we're going to be doing this, this, and this. What do you suggest? Get them in on the, the consequence. And then it's going to take your leadership to follow up and say, if they're still on the computer at 11 o'clock at night and their homework's not done, you go in and you go, what did we agree to? We agree. So it's we, it's not you, and it's agree. What That creates accountability. What did we agree to? You said, yeah. right, we were going to do this, yeah. and now it's time. So the freedom within the boundaries, you're, you're, you're giving them the freedom to make their own choices. You're giving them the freedom to come up with a consequence. You're, you're soliciting ideas from them, but then you're going to have to really, you know, step in and do what you agree, you know, what you agreed to do. It's a different mindset. It's, it's, you know, for the parents like uh, me, at least, I mean, I was very controlling and I had a lot to learn. I was very, do it. Like I said, do it when I said to do it. And of course that blew up in my face. And so for the parents who feel that way, this is, this is frustrating for them because it's not a a quick solution. Mm. It's a very layered solution, but what you're doing is you're, you're instilling accountability. They're figuring things out on their own. They're learning to balance their time and manage their time. And I'll give you an example on that in a second. 
think of your kids as adults in training. Yeah. They don't need their, the word training is key because they don't need us to tell them what to do. They have to figure out what they need to do. And we have to set the environment with which they can do that. Right. And it's hard. But once you get the hang of it, it's really hard. Once you get the hang of it, it really works. But like, for example, with teenagers, say they have to mow the lawn. It's Friday night and they have plans. And you're like, I said to mow the lawn. That doesn't work. What you say is Thursday night. So-and-so your job is to mow the lawn this weekend. You have until Sunday to do it. I respect your time. I know that you're busy and you've made plans. I respect that you manage your time and you have until Sunday. This is your weekend. But what do we normally do? We're like, it's Friday night and he didn't mow the lawn. He went out with his friends and I told him he had to mow the lawn. Like, blah, blah, blah. We do all of these things. But the freedom within boundary is I trust you and I respect you that this is your weekend to mow and you have until now. And is it going to be that it'll be Sunday at five o'clock and the, ma- and the lawn's not mowed? Yes. Once or twice, you might have to go, what did we talk about? And then they're going to have to get out there and they're going to have to mow the lawn and you're going to have to be the parent. Yeah. But once or twice, because when you handle it this way, you say, I respect your time and I know you've made plans, but you need to get this done. So this is the approach that is so collaborative and, and I call it partnership parenting. This is the partnership part where we're really kind of like inching these kids toward independence right? and where they can make their own decisions, make their own mistakes. And it's within the the safety net of our home, because trust me, as a parent who had four kids go to college and our, our kids were doing their own lunches and making their, doing their laundry and stuff. By the time they get to college, the kids that are really managed and, and controlled and told what to do and punished. what they do in college, like it's, they come raging out. Like, you know, they finally taste freedom for the first time. Okay. Don't wait for the college. We just, we just experienced that this past weekend with a 13, 14 year old. Mm -hmm. There was about 500 of them, Sue, at the park right near our house on a Friday night, all there partying. These are high schoolers. Like they're they're freshmen. Okay. Start on social yeah. media. Four high schools, kids right by our house. Our streets looked like a Halloween for teenagers. Everywhere, drinking, vaping. My daughter was baffled. She was at her friend's house. And she's like, mom, you have to come and get me. I can't walk home. I'm too scared. There's way too many kids on the streets. Being rowdy, yeah. Being rowdy. And few of those kids, we know. And you like exactly like that. They're controlled. They're being told what to do. They're scared. Yes. They call their parents. They lie to their parents. Say, we're at a friend's house. Yet they're in a park partying at 13, 14 year olds. Mm. And, you know, we expect this type of behavior because they are, like I said, they're adults in training and everyone's going to push the line. Okay. So even though we, we, we have these partnership techniques and we have these, these freedom within boundary techniques, you know, my kids still tested me. I have a story about each one of them of how they tested us. They're funny stories and, and you get through it. You have to react First of all, you your brand as a parent is unshockable. You are not shockable. That's your new brand. Like that's my new brand. I'm learning that. I'm not I'm so unshockable. <laughs> if you react, oh, that's power for them. Ooh, you know, oh, my mom can't handle anything. If you react, I'm Italian. Okay. So like I react. I'm always, you know, blah, you know, I had to kind of mute myself, like, oh wow, really? You know. <laughs> Mm. the way we act, the way we we interact with them, you know, because they won't tell you anything. 
Yeah. If you're overreacting and you're controlling, or if they tell you something and it results in a punishment or a controlling mechanism from you, you will you will be cut out. Trust me, you will not be told anything. And you, I oh my gosh, yeah. The vaping, the drinking, you know, yes, my kids, I'm a natural freak. I've been giving them organic Cheerios since they were three and they hate me for it. <laughs> um, did my kids go through vaping phases? They did. It was horrible. A few short years later, they look at other people that vape and like, what an idiot. But they sometimes as teenagers, you kind of have to partner and turn a blind eye, you know, and maybe just you don't say anything, but you rip out an article about how some kid, you know, died of COVID because he was a vapor and his lungs gave in. You know what I mean? Like third party information is going to get you further than if you go, why are you vaping? You know, that's bad, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, and I mean, listen, with all the stuff in these kids' faces, if I turn a blind eye to the fact that they, you know, had a friend bring them beer over to my house where I know they're safe or a blind eye to the fact that they're vaping, like, I would rather deal with that than all the other stuff that some of these kids are getting into. The drugs, the sex, the, all of the stuff. And it's all in their face. So your job is to create that relationship of trust and open communication. It's the relationship building. And we only do that by partnering and by using we words and by getting them involved in the the conversation and the process and then holding them accountable. What did we talk about? You know, it's, it's constant. It's constant. You go to bed exhausted every night. You mentioned something I believe was in your book about me spending 80% of my childhood grounded (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me too. That's what. That's how I came up with these methods. Me too. Yes. Yeah, yes. You brought something up that grounding doesn't work. What, right. What, uh, what's your What's your story behind that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is what what works is what I'm talking about. I never once had to ground my kids or put them in a timeout. Like because if you're treating your kids like uh, an adult in training, and not as a, a child that you need to control then your approach is going to be much more collaborative. Mm. So grounding and, and punishment and all of that, we know it doesn't work. But like I said, okay, if you back someone into a corner and you keep piling on with control and mandates and things like that, right? People are going to, people are going to bow up and they're going to, they're going to, you're giving them restriction creates rebellion. That's just hundred percent. Right. So what you want to do is like, if you only have a few rules, then there's not a whole lot they can do wrong. And now again, so the rules that you guys decide you want, you decide together. In our case, we, our rule was the, with a curfew and that gave me a lot of leeway. So if they busted curfew, I don't have to ground them and take the keys away and take the car away. And, you know, I just had to say, I'm sorry, but I don't ask much of you. And this is the one thing that we agreed to at 1130. And so now you're going to, ha- you know, you're going to come home. You're going to either lose privileges to go out for a week. And then when you do go get to go back out, you're going to be home at nine because I need to know, you need to prove to me that your trust is worthy, that right. my trust is worthy in you and that you can go home at nine. And when you show me you can go home at nine for a while, then you'll get 10. And then they have to earn it back. And believe me, if you're not nickel and diming them on other areas, and you're inviting collaboration with them, these, these techniques work. At what age would you start the curfew? Like, I, still not, haven't gone out, so not sure what. Yeah, when, they, don't, they don't go out at night. Yeah. How old are they again? 13 and 14. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, the, those days are coming, right? Um, then they, they then when they do go out, but if they're invited to a party or they're invited to a friend's house, 13 and 14, you know, 10 o'clock, maybe, I yeah. don't know, that time, 30, 10. Um, if their friends are going home at 10, then they're home at 930. And if they get pushed back, I mean, you know, parents, it's parenting without giving an F, right? I'm the boss. I create the culture of the home. Right. I'm going to give you a lot of leeway, but when I make a rule, there's a reason for it. And I don't need any pushback. So there's a balance here. So you know, 930 is the curfew. And then, then, then you gently remind them, we, we don't get on you about your grades. We don't do blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. We we're working with you in every other way, but this is our rule and your home. Then when I work with parents with, with teens, it's really funny because they feel like they're doing the right thing. I took the keys. I took the car. I took, I did, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, is buying you more time of anger that the kid is in their room being grounded, just going, you know, like I had to lo- write, I will not lie to my mom, like, you know, 150 times. And I was just like, I'll just lie better. I'll just get better at this. And I did, you know, and my mom was cut out of my life at that time because I didn't trust her with information. Mm-hmm. So the only way to get trust is to build these partnership techniques. And you don't have to ground. You don't have to, you don't have to do, you don't have to be restrictive. If you're collaborating with them and you're talking to them and saying, you know, what other things can your kid are your kids doing wrong? Like, what else would you say is bothering you besides the screen time? What else would you say? For our kids, really, that's, that, you know, that's the only thing that comes to my mind because we have, for our son especially, we have, I'm, I'm on a, a group text with all the moms. And we, I feel like we're constantly texting each other, saying, let's get these kids on the screens. Let's get them on the bikes. Let's get them to do this. But it's like a double-edged sword. You know, you're scared. You hear the stories of this kid got really beaten up, was taken to the hospital. Like, you don't want your kid to be in that situation too. So you're like- Do you, you like know? the fact that they're sheltered in your house, that they're safe? I hear you, <laughs> yes. Well, well they're you, still you young. Want them out. Yeah. yeah, you still want them out there because you want them to experience the real life, you know, because that's how they learn. Not, that's how they grow up to, to be who they are. Yeah. Not just by being on so, screens, but by interacting so, with human beings. Well, so let me ask you then. I mean, what- and when I talk about productively busy, everything I'm talking about is extra work for you. It's all right. on the back end. It's extra work for you. But this is what parenting mm-hmm. is, right? And that's, that's why it's funny to say that the, the title of my book, right, is like, it's we give at the end, like, surprise, we give very much of an F about our kids, right? So mm-hmm. are there volunteer opportunities? Are there, maybe get them in on this and go, guys, we're all going to try to do better. We're all pivoting away from the pandemic. We all want to start getting a hobby. We all want to start doing these things. We're all going to do this. I want you, you have a family meeting. I want you guys to tell me a hobby you want or, you know, where we think we can volunteer our time. Uh, you know, are there, where, where are we needed? Let's, let's start. You want to get your kids from thinking here about me, me, me and my friends up here. How do I broaden their horizons? So these are the things that you can do. Like if you're going to be, and again, you know, look at the pattern. If you're in a reacting way where you're like, oh my God, my kid's on my screen and what can we do to get them out of the house right now? That's reactionary parenting. You want to work in advance and go, let me think about how do I inspire them to find a hobby, to find a sport, to find something and ask them, what is it you want to do? And then follow up on supporting them in that. So they're going to have a family meeting meeting tonight and have them all come up with ideas and make it fun and make it not about them, make it about all of you. Right. So we started that already. So my daughter's doing her dance again. She's taking her dance classes again. My son's in the boxing. I mean, they do all kinds of chores around the house. Yeah. <laughs> they do all the dishes. They do the, lo- the lawn mowing. He does. My, my well, kids do a lot of that. That's the, the jobs they do. Like, I mean, I look outside of my grass and it's probably a, a week. 
overdue. overdue yeah. Of cutting that <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's okay. And like, like I said, him on his computer and come down for dinner. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had also mentioned something about yelling. That's one thing I think we struggle with that our first reaction is to yell. Trust me. I was a, I'm a reformed well, yeller. Well, then to listen, like, listen, no. we're, we're yelling. My, my throat hurt from yelling. So I understand I'm a yeller. I told you I'm Italian. Like I'm, I'm yelling. So the, the answer, the trick is recognize the pattern. So look at your day and break it up. All right. What are the phases of the day? When are you yelling most? So fine tune that as to when you're yelling, what triggers you to yell? Dinner time. No, I'd say kind of <laughs> in between the time that they get here from school to the time they go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. 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 I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're with them. <laughs> okay. So find out what really gets you. When do you find yourself yelling? Think about that. And then think about what is it making you yell? Back it up. Speak to them about it in advance. Get their agreement and understanding for accountability. And then when they do the thing that makes you yell, instead of going, why well, I told you what, but, you know, now, instead of reacting, all you have to do is walk up to them and go, what did we agree to? Mm. Yeah, that's what we're doing now. That's what we exactly we're going to do. We're going to have them tell us when they'll be off that stuff. And then, well, you know, you want to say, okay, guys, freedom of the boundaries. The boundary is we get two hours of screen time, whatever is reasonable. Or ask them, guys, we're all trying to come off of our screens. What amount of time do you think is a reasonable amount of time on your screens for a day? Ask them. You'd be shocked. They'd be like, oh, shit, I have to answer it. Like, oh, what? And then they're going to come up with some answer and they're going to go four hours. Or maybe they don't even realize how many hours it is. No, yeah. They don't. Okay. Well, then, so then start with that. Guys, how many hours should we allow ourselves on screens each day? And then they're going to go, um, I don't know, three hours. I don't know, whatever. Okay. Okay, great. So let's come up with the time. They're involved in this decision. If they come up with five hours, you go, well, no, we got to dial that back. That's not reasonable. You know, blah, blah, blah. Come to a middle ground. Then you have to monitor it and you have to manage it. And, you know, but the managing monitoring is, is what's the issue. Okay. You've asked them before and you would be like, Oh, an hour. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? You can have two. It's during the week. You can have two, two hours on your, on your computer. Then next thing you know, Six hours just went by and he's on it and we're like, oh, but we're also busy. Okay, so we're, we're busy. We're busy working. Too, I so hear you. Partner, you know what I mean? I told you, don't believe me. I, I know I, in the parenting, this is where the hard part about parenting does come in. So then though you've already done that now add the extra layer of saying, if you go over, what should we do about that? Yeah. We need to have consequences in life because if you get a job or if mom or dad don't show up to our job, we get fired. And so in real life, there's consequences and there's going to be, there's consequences. So if we go past our two hour limit, what should we do about that Mm. and get them to come up with something? Well, I guess I can't go on my computer tomorrow or get them to come up with a consequence that you help them. You know, what do you think would be reasonable? Because we really have to limit ourselves. We've agreed we're limiting ourselves to two hours. So it's a constant negotiation. It's training. When you think of it in training, then you go, okay, this is more of a partnership relationship. It's not me being the adult going, you need to, blah, you know, um, and maybe between the two of you, you go, okay. So between six and nine, I have it covered. And between nine and 10, 11, you have it covered, whatever it is. 
Right. You're going to break, you're going to divide and conquer on wh- how you monitor. Mm-hmm. So you have to follow up on that. Yeah. But get their buy-in as to what should happen if they go past the time. So add that layer to what you're already doing and then follow up. But instead of yelling now, you don't have to yell yeah. because now you can just go up and go, we agreed to this. And you said this it would happen if you were on it longer. So we're here to hold you accountable to that. We're here to make sure that happens. So you're already doing so much great stuff with them. Yeah. Add that little bit of yeah. accountability, that self-accountability for them. And then hold we them do, We do appreciate them because they're really great kids. So yeah. They're incredible kids. And we're so proud of them. But they are these little things that, you know, we want to just try and help them out a little bit more. Because so the more funny thing for- is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Robert. I was just saying, it's good to say that have them choose their, their kind of punishment. If they're on the computer for two hours, they can choose either to. And it's not a punishment. It. It's well, a consequence. consequence. <laughs> yeah. No, it's they, because you know what? Yeah. When you change, when you shift your narrative, you behave differently. If you shift the narrative to not use the word control and to not talk about punishment, because you already know it doesn't work. Right. So now you're shifting the narrative to a consequence. And a consequence is important because that's what happens in real life. Now, if you so drive too fast, take the computer away or or have whatever you whatever you guys agree to. Yeah. yeah, because you trust them and because you respect them, you are going to come up with an answer as to what happens after they go over their time. And the two of you are going to agree the meeting you and your child. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell them we're going to come up with a consequence. What happens if we go over the time? Mm-hmm. Because we've seen you know day after day that there's no limit being put in. And you know I've trusted you to limit yourself like we've talked about, but you're not there yet. Yeah. So what should we do about that? What let's come up with something. What's your concept? What's going to be the consequence? What would be a good one? Something that you would. Oh, well, they have to come up with it, but you can lead them. They may come up and say, um, I have to bring my computer downstairs or I have to bring, you know, I don't know. Uh, have you already looked at your Wi-Fi shutdowns to where they can't get on? Have you looked at options like that? No, yeah, I know people do that. We have We've never done it. Yeah. Never we, done. we did have to do that after a while because they sneak at night we had the kids charging their phones downstairs they had to bring all their phones downstairs charge them downstairs when going go to bed and they didn't have computers or anything at that time but if they have laptops they bring them downstairs to charge in a public charging station area and that way they have to be upstairs reading and they have to be you know so find some ways that you can follow through on these rules the consequence is really something you should have them come up with that you approve of. And if it's not strong enough, go, well, actually, you know, how about if we look at until we can get this more as a habit, how about you bring the computer and the phone downstairs yeah. and um, it's with us. So if they don't come up with a consequence, two hour mark to come in with a taser and just kind of give them a little shot. Yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> That's not punishment. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. Right. Sometimes. <laughs> after they wake up, you don't even bring them downstairs for, the, for lunch. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, now you'll find yourself by getting them involved and setting this new stage, you find that you don't have to yell because now you just walk up and go, sorry, it's, you know, it's 10 o'clock. We already talked about this and this is what we agreed to. The words agree are so important because they have to take ownership. So you're setting the stage for them to take ownership, to come up with it. If a kid has buy-in to their 
consequence and to their curfew, or even if it's perceived buy-in, they're going to do it. And losing your trust is the biggest consequence, honestly. When you treat the kids with trust and respect, losing that is the number one thing that really upsets them. They don't ever want to disappoint you. And they're going to be doing things that make you angry, but we, but we get, they're, well, they're training, they're in yeah. training. Yeah, right? I see, it's true. But every time I speak to my children, when I say to them, look, I trust you, I respect you. And I just want to make sure that you know that. And they just, so those light bulbs just goes off there. They're like, oh, like, you know, happy. And they just, literally, their body changes. Their body, yes. you know, they're like, oh, she is proud of who I am. She loves, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a, just the, your words that we use with our with our teenagers. It's, it's, those are those nuances and those subtle little things add up to everything. And um, even if you're not feeling like you trust them, and you say, you know, guys, I, I know that you're going to make the right choice for yourself. Do you know how freeing that is? I have a, a chapter in the book. I'm intuitive, you know, and my kids had some intuitive abilities and I'm big about listening to your gut and your intuition. I'm huge about that. Oh, and when they were being raised, I was very big about, they'd ask me something, turn it back. How do you feel? Where does that, does that feel? How does that feel inside? Um, and my daughter in college, wow. I mean, now she's, whew, she, she had a couple of dates with a guy and she's like, mom, I'm no good, you know? And I said, then get out now. Like it was, she had some red flags. And so I'm always validating their ability to be in touch with themselves and to understand how they feel. And I'm always trying to encourage that. So, you know, I'm trying to put it back on them and say, how do you feel? Or where does that, where, you know, what, what is your best decision there? Or how did that work out for you? In the book, I do have a decision-making chapter where I really try to help kids think uh, a situation, 360, 180, you know, whatever, all, all full circle. And then a, a little wisdom continuum where I just plot the big picture. Hey, here's where you are and here's who you want to be. And this is goal setting, you know. This is where you're going to be when you're, you know, a film editor or wherever, you know, your daughter wants to, or son, whatever they want to be right now. Okay. So this is where you're going to be, you know, my older son is flying fighter. He's going to go fly fighter jets. Well, this is where you're going to be in pilot training, you know, mm-hmm. plot the graph, get them out of their heads because teenagers ruminate. And if you start talking big picture and you start talking the future and you start talking goal setting, I didn't really feel successful as a parent. I mean, I felt successful as a parent all the time, but I really knew I arrived when all four kids were marching to their purpose, meaning they found the thing that got them out of bed in the morning. They found the purpose of what makes them happy. And that's because we connected them to their gut. And how do you feel? Of course they can change their minds, but they're all in college studying very specific things that they are ecstatic about. And to me, that's my goal as a parent. That's my goal is to help them discover their purpose. Perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing to go back a little bit, you had a busy, busy household with those kids, uh, triplets and one three years old, older. How did you uh, find the time not to be a mom 24 seven? Because we talk a lot on our show about helping your marriage, having date nights, having little things that you can get away from the kids. Like how would somebody like yourself with with a lot of young kids. I'm <laughs> um, not not to be a mom twenty four seven. Well, it goes back to the fact that I never really wanted kids in the beginning, and I, you know, I did it for my husband. So my mentality is a person that writes a book called Parenting Without Giving a Fuck. Like that's my mentality. 
And I was very big about letting the kids know the pecking order. Like you two, my husband and I are soulmate happy. Like we're, we're so like I saw him across the room. I mean, I think I read, I read your story on your website. I saw him. Oh, there was my, I mean, we are soulmate happy. And like the two of you, we both parented equally and he's my 50, 50 partner. He's awesome. And he was very helpful. And I also enjoy spending time with him. So as a mom, now, if I wasn't an unhappy marriage or whatever, I, I'm always reinforcing me. What I'm checking in with me. I own my own business. I fought to keep that when I had the four kids. I always let the kids know I have my own business. Like it's the life is is not about them in the home. They are not the per the, the, the whole, they don't they don't run the show. Mm-hmm. It's mom is setting the tone. Mom and dad are a team, and you follow after that. And I would joke around like, you know, (laughs) I told them for years, love the dogs, like the kids, like, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you got to use humor, but the kids like, I mean, I've told them all the time, like, this is thankless. This is so freaking thankless. Like it's, you have those moments where you're frustrated and you're angry and you say things that you probably shouldn't, but they laugh. They, They know my sense of humor, but I always reinforced what was important for me because if I go down, they all go down. You know, is including my husband, who's the most amazing guy and strong and all of these things. But, you know, women, you notice how when women have a job, it's a working mom, but mm-hmm. we never say working dads. Yeah. Why? Why don't we do that? Right. So the moms, we're holding together the home and the kids and we're setting the stage for that. We're in charge of the culture of that home. We set the the, the processes and then everything else falls in line. So I always made it, I kind of looked at it as like, as my own business at home. That's kind of how I did it. It was just, here's the pecking order. We never really put all the focus on the kids. They knew, they knew where, they knew where they were. But they you know my twin, like seriously, I feel like you're my twin. From another oh, that's awesome. I'm serious because I can relate to everything pretty much that you're saying. I feel like I have the same kind of style of parenting. But now let me ask you this. I'm not trying to be bragging or biased, but yeah. do you feel accomplished when your kids were teenagers? Because I really feel like I'm a successful mom. You know yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I know I have oh. ideal, but I feel like I'm, I'm really successful as a mom because they're amazing kids. Guess what? You know, if you take credit for good kids, you need to take credit for when they're misbehaving, right? And that's confidence. Right. Yeah, I do. You have confidence and... That's really where everything originates. And yes, I went from not wanting to have kids, never having a younger sibling, never holding a baby, never wanting anything to do with kids to, like I said, learning how to handle all four different individuals while I fought to keep my business. Cause I'm like, screw this, like this business. I still have my car. I'm like, I'm like a minivan. Like I had all these rules, you know, I'm me and I'm, I'm running the show and I have that confidence. Yeah. And yes, I did feel the same. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm actually cut out for this. Wow. I really do have the, the psychology down for how to, to reach these children, how to motivate them to be themselves. Because when you let go of control and you don't do guilt and you have your ego out of the way, which it sounds like you do, those are the recipes for success. And that's why that's the first half of my book. The first half of my book is your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because when you get that right, the second half of the book is about your relationship with your child. Yeah. And that's how it grows. It starts with you. Yeah. Your parent, your child is a result of how you parent. My that those are my words my whole life. I say that all the time. 
Your That's children awesome. are exactly the results of how you parent them. Whatever they do wrong, it's you. Whatever they do right, it's you. It's all you. They mirror you, you know? And, okay, so then the nuance there is, yes, and at the same time, you are also parenting them to be their own people. So, yes. And this is why, if you can find a way to describe this, that's going to be like, that. that's my new mantra. Because how do you take the essence of a, of a parent, mom or dad, you know, with the confidence that you have to know that you're doing it right, you see the results. And when your kids veer off of this and they may, you know, it's not, you're, you're not going to be like, oh my God, I'm such a bad parent. Ugh. You're going to go, all right, I got to shore myself up. What do we yeah. do here? And then you're going to get back on track. Then you've got this confidence here with yourself, but you're also actively working toward getting your child to discover themselves. It's a very unselfish, confident way to parent. And it's a lot of work mentally. It's a lot of work. Like you Yes, it is. It's mentally exhausting. I'm exhausted mentally from it, but I'm like, I know what I'm doing is working. So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep thinking of ways to make them, you know, love themselves and make themselves better. Yes. You didn't even need this podcast. You already know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I needed you to come and tell me how to, you know, make it even better. (laughs) (laughs) You you already, you got it down. The two of you are already doing a great job. I don't know. When we we first had the kids, she had stayed home, worked from home mostly, but she said she was like a stay-at-home mom for a little while. And our kids right away, like she wanted to potty train them. They were potty trained. Like it didn't take long at all. So I always joked and people ask, well, how did you potty train them? I was like, oh, they were potty trained at gunpoint. <laughs> there's, no other way, there's no other way that they would just decide to stop. Like that. But she did I'm it, very she did intuitive, nice just like you are. I'm very yeah. intuitive. I know what's going on in that human's mind. I don't know why. I'm not a psychic, but from, by all means, but I feel like I know what they need. Yeah. You know, well, we're all intuitive. It's just a question of whether we're in touch with it or not. And we listen. You know, a lot of people are, you know, they're they're acting and thinking outwards and they're not reaching in and going, well, you know, if you kind of relax your brain a little bit and you have to trust yourself. Yeah. And that's what a lot of the things that I spend time doing with parents is learning is teaching parents to trust themselves and mm-hmm. trust their gut. And you know, you know what best to do. Like just because my rule was curfew doesn't mean that's your rule, but I'm telling you freedom within boundaries, you create the boundary. I'm giving you the framework with which to, you know, parent, that's the foundation and all decisions spring from that foundation. And so that's kind of just my mentality of like how I teach parents. It's not like, oh, say this at this time and say that at this time. It's more of a global mindset of how to approach it. But that's why I really love the teenagers because it is so psychological and they're just- fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm learning like so many different ways. But it's also fascinating is that you, Raja, and I all come from a background of being strict, but yet none (laughs) of us practice that with our kids. Like none of the style that I was brought up, I don't use any of that style with my children. And I see, I'm like, I wasn't a bad kid, to be honest. And I was really disciplined. But seeing how I raised my children, they're so amazing. And we didn't do any of that stuff with them. My kids were never in the corner. My, ne- my well, kids because, were never in the You know, one of the most important things you're doing, and again, your relationship with yourself, is that you're checking in with yourself and you're asking, you're, you're using, you know, awareness and you're saying, and it's really funny because it's a whole thing in my book. I, I start out, I go, I lied to my mom all the time. Why? Why did I lie to my mom? And I realized it was about control because she was so micromanaging 
that the only control I had was to lie to manipulate my environment. And then I joke around, my mom and I were super, super close, but you know, I joke around and then, and then she was trying to squash my sales career because like I went on to be a, a great salesman. Oh, they say salesmen are always liars, right? I'm like, I was trying to be, you know, I was learning, I was cutting my teeth on learning how to lie so I could become a good salesperson. But she was really restricting me because she thought that was the right thing to do. But anyway, when you check in with yourself and you go, why did I do certain things? Here's my truth. Then I say, all right, how do I avoid that with my kids? How do I avoid them lying to me? All right, well, if it was about control, then I need to let go of control. And if punishment doesn't work, then what does? And that's what I spent all this time creating and doing. And then when I figured out what was working, that's when I started mentoring other parents because like, you know, you want to save people the time and effort of what you've gone through. And you're exactly right. Those are the things that we've learned that don't work. And now what what you're doing is working. So you just want to do more of the same. (laughs) I find myself like telling myself, I don't want to become like my father or uh, I don't want to do things like my parents did. Not that they did anything really, really that bad, but I don't want to do that. I also sit there and say to my kid that, okay, there's certain things I don't want them to be like me. I I always struggled with, let's say confidence or something. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to project that on him. Like, let's try for you not to have that issue. Mm-hmm. but it just makes them have it more. You're kind of, don't do this, don't do that. Or, you know, use your head or something like that. Like You're so right. When you tell them what to do, that wounds their confidence. I, on my Instagram, I followed you on Instagram um, before our meeting on Instagram. I have a post literally today that says how to statements to help increase confidence in kids. Mm-hmm. And it's all the, yeah, I think I have four or five on there and it's all about how to, you know, how do you think, what do you think? How would you solve that? I can't wait to see how you're going to solve that. It's all putting it back on them and telling them that you believe in them to make their own decisions. Right. And, you know, when you find yourself making absolutes like don't and won't and can't check yourself and go, Oh, how could I have rephrased that? And, you know, you're in training too. So if you find yourself kind of knee jerk reacting to, certain statements that, you know, you grew up with or that, you know, that are comfortable for you, it takes a while to really, you know, redirect ourselves. And the other thing that I love is that, you know, with confidence, I'll make mistakes with my kids, but oh shit, I should have said that, you know, or like yeah. oh, tomorrow, I don't do guilt. I don't do guilt. Like it's, yeah. it's a wasted yeah. emotion. I'll just go, oh shit, I won't say that again. I want, I'll try not to say that again, or I never beat myself up. I don't do guilt. It's wasted. And I teach parents let it go. It's not productive. You know? I notice I ask my kids too sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, he's like, well, mom, you know everything. I'll be like, no, honey, I don't know everything. Sometimes I need you to tell me if I, what I'm doing is right or wrong because I'm learning just as much as you are as we go, you know? That's like, so that great. That's so great. Me. Kids love to hear that. And kids, kids want to know that they have a place in the family that has value. Yeah. So if they know they're contributing, sometimes you just want to say thank you. Because like, thank you. Thank you for vacuuming. Yeah. Thank you for doing the lawn. It looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because then they feel like they're contributing and then they want to do more of it. Yes. We have to remind them to do certain things and whatever, but you had said earlier that, you know, they do, there's a lot of good things that they do do that. They're so good. And I found myself like when you're really in it, like when, when the kids become, you know, 15, 16, 17, the stakes are higher and you're going to have a lot on your plate. Yeah. You're going to have to remind yourself, are they getting good grades? Are they doing this? Are they doing this? You're going to look at all the good because like, say with my daughter in her room, her room was a shambles, uh, nothing we did. So finally I just had to go, I have to let it go. And I'm willing to let it go 
if she has good friends, she's getting decent grades, she has a job, yeah. she's doing sport, <laughs> right? So sometimes we have to remind ourselves of all the good. Pick your battles, yeah. So, yeah. Does the room matter? Yeah. We have to let it go. And sometimes parents look at me like, why would I let it go? That's not parenting. Yes, it is. It is. It is because you're getting, you're getting this. So you're yeah. let going of that. That's negotiation. I mean, honestly, wouldn't this world be a lot better if all of us could, I give, you give, and we both win? Yeah. yeah. Instead well, that's of how we're in a relationship too. Like when we've been together 24 years, it's the same thing. We're like, okay, yeah. he doesn't always do the good things, but. The, the good things outweigh the bad things way more. Like there's no, oh. you know what I mean? Like I'm not, he does the same thing with me. Yeah. So yeah. The relationships, all, all of these relationships are in the same way, built in the same way, I think. Yeah. Whether it's your partner, your kids. Well, and that's why this whole, my whole book and my whole, my whole method is about relationships and it's about connection yeah. and how to do that, how to build that because you're, Yes, we can't look at this as black and white. We can't look at this as winning. We can't look at this as control. It's about collaboration. And in any business environment, it's all about I give, you give, we win. And if you parent with that mentality, you're always going to win. We can talk to you for hours and hours. (laughs) I know you guys are awesome. We're like like going around 45 minutes. We're a little bit over that, but it's it's okay. But um, where can people find your books and all that stuff? Right. Yourself. Ask Mom Parenting is my website. I have a free download on there. Someone can sign up for 23 minutes with me to sort of hash out what's going on and learn if this is a fit. And my book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes. Um, so yeah, it's available at any of those places. What about socials? Where are you at? Instagram and Facebook are Ask Mom Parenting. So yeah, follow me and you know get the book. And anyway, you guys are awesome. I wish you lived closer. <laughs> no, I know. I really feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours because we have I know. so well, much in common. Anytime. You I can love, reach I out love to me. Brain. How it works. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, there's a connection, right? So right. reach out to me, email me, whatever. I, I love it. Um, and if I can we'll help in any other way. We'll do it again for sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being on the Head Over Heels show and can't wait to talk to you again. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks guys. And bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whichever platform you're tuning in from means the world to us to have your support on our show in this little mini way <laughs> you can also stalk us on instagram and head over your show for more juicy stuff if you have any questions send them via email at us at hohshow.com or dm us on socials thank you for having us between your ears and as always we, we wish, wish you what, you what we, we have, have.